Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at renewalchicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Well, last week, if you weren't with us, with us, we, we started a new series entitled The Struggle is Real, but dot, dot, dot. It keeps going on. The struggle is real, but, and what we're going to essentially be doing as we walk through this series is we're going to be looking at uh, different struggles that all of us struggle with in one way or another, and we're going to kind of get under the covers, as I like to say, in, in our lives, in our hearts. And, and the reason we're doing that is because I believe God is up to something in this season. I believe that he's drawing men and women to himself, but also he's shaping and he's, he's forming. He's doing some heart work in us to get us back to that place of holiness that he first created us in the beginning. Amen. And so throughout this series, again, I want us to grapple with some deep longings, some heart issues, some things that we, some things that, that lies that, that drive us underneath the surface, things, those passions that we have that might not necessarily line up with God because I believe he's up to something and I don't want us to miss a second of what he's doing in this season. Amen. Amen. So let's jump into the text this morning. Meet me in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. That's where we're going to be. I would tell you to go ahead and read the whole uh, fourth chapter of Philippians, but we're going to just read three verses today, particularly, which I'm going to talk about. Uh, Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. If you've got a Bible, meet me there. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. Here now, the reading of God's word, starting in verse 4. The text reads, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus very word of God. Amen. Today, I want to preach on the topic, the remedy to control. The remedy to control. Let's pray. Father, I just ask right now that you hide me behind the cross. Have your way in this place. Father, let your people hear a much needed word from you in the midst of this pandemic and where we are right now. Remove me, God. Decrease me so that you may increase. In your name we pray all these things, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, let me ask you. Have you ever had someone question you on something that you already told them you've worked out all the details on it? I mean, have you ever had somebody do that to you? It's the worst when somebody questions you on something that you just told them, hey, I got this. Because essentially what they're communicating to you is that you're not trustworthy. <laughs> That's the worst. It happens in marriages sometimes. It, it happens in business relationships. Someone says, I got this. I got all the details and the plans worked out. But then the other person proceeds to, to question them. And, and sometimes it's valid. Sometimes that person does not have everything in order or, or they deem themselves to be not trustworthy. But 
on the other side, if that's not the case, almost always it's not because the person is not trustworthy. It's not because they, they don't have all the chips together. It's because the person that's questioning has a control issue. They have to be in control. There's this idol that exists within their hearts that, that makes them think that they have to be in control and, and they can't function without knowing all the details. So they question you on the plans that you've already made. Now, now I would venture to say that we all struggle with having some level of a control issue in our lives. It just looks different for everyone. I, I mean, we all have different control issues in different ways that we struggle with this. Some of us are worry warts where we worry about everything that is out of control or not in our control in our lives. And some of us fear things that are out of our control. Some of us get anxious and worried about everything. We're overwhelmed with everything that's in front of us that we can't seemingly control. Some of us, when we feel out of control, we become manipulative and dictatorial. I mean, we, we start to try to control other people. We all deal with struggles in this control area of our lives. We, we, we struggle with control in one way or another. And sadly, the problem with this issue is that this control issue, it, it doesn't just seep into the relationships we have with other people, but it also seeps into our relationship vertically with God. So as we get into this text today, Paul gets to the heart of control by talking about anxiety, which is a symptom, if you may, of control. It's a symptom of having a control issue, and he gives us the remedy to our control problem. So today I got two points. Two points, and I'm out your way. Number one, God is trustworthy. God is trustworthy. And number two, prayer eliminates anxiety. Prayer eliminates anxiety. Now, as we get into these first two verses of the text, Paul gives us three commands. I want you to remember these. He gives us the command to rejoice, to be reasonable, and lastly, not to be anxious. Again, that's to rejoice, to be reasonable, and lastly, not to be anxious. At the beginning of the text in verse 4, you see Paul start with this word rejoice. Rejoice. Everybody in the house say rejoice. He starts with rejoice, which gives off this connotation of celebration or gladness. But hear me, the, the trouble with this word rejoice in our society, especially in a day like today, is that rejoice is always used in good times. It's used in good times or when something in your life goes well. In other words, our rejoicing, don't miss this, is usually predicated or caused by our circumstances. Which hear me is very troublesome for the reader if this is the way one interprets this passage because we will miss the understanding of what Paul is actually getting at here in the text. We'll miss everything. Friends, don't miss this. Paul, hear me, he's he not sitting in his living room on the couch when he's writing this letter to Philippians. He's sitting in a jail cell. There's no rejoice. I mean, he's sitting in a prison cell right now for preaching the gospel. That's his circumstance. His letter was written to Christians to the city of, in the city of Philippi who were discouraged and scared over the fact of, of theirs and Paul's difficult circumstance. He's writing to them. 
See, what Paul is trying to convey by saying rejoice as well as all throughout this book is that the Christian's joy stems from proper understanding of God's sovereignty amidst suffering. Don't miss that. Hear me, the reason the Christian can have joy is because the believer's joy is not determined by what is happening to them, but instead by what has happened for them. Some of y'all just missed that. Let me say it again. A Christian's joy is not determined by what is happening to them, but instead by what has already happened for them. Mm. In other words, a Christian can remain joyful no matter what is happening to them because they know and they believe that although there may be hell around me right now, uh, they know that, that, that heaven is where home is, not where they are right now. So they can have joy. They they know this because they've already placed their faith in Jesus who died on the cross for their sins. He was buried and then he rose from the grave. And by believing in him, they're saved from their sins. But not only that, they're guaranteed life eternally in heaven with God the Father after this life. So hear me, that that truth allows one to rejoice. Because as I said last week, y'all, I know the struggle is real right now. It's hard. But as I just explained, God is greater. He's greater. Paul says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Paul, secondly, in this passage, he, he exhorts the people to reasonableness don't miss this keep following me he says let this be known to everyone for the lord is at hand now what paul is trying to get the reader to to see what what he's trying to do is he, he wants the reader to know similar to the first point in our text is to, is to so to say, he wants them to think of others more than they think of themselves. And the reason you can do this, Paul says it in the text, you can do this is because that, that judgment of people is not up to you. What you think of other people is not up to you. It's not up to me, but it's up to God. So therefore, you can treat others with fairness and a sense of, of courteousness because the church is to exemplify Jesus. And if you think about Jesus's life, if you just read through his life, Jesus did not, so to say, play favorites with anybody. No, no. He had some of the, the lowest folks in society rolling with him. No, no, no. Jesus didn't uh, uh, put people at a higher regard in his life or respect them differently because of who they were. No, no. He didn't stand on his rights as God. In fact, as we looked at Philippians 2 last week, it says that he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. In fact, he, he lowers himself to the place of a servant or a slave and he starts serving other people. Y'all, he thought of other people. That's what Jesus did. So Paul's saying to us, he's saying, don't just think of yourselves. I know you're in in a midst of uh, uh, these crazy circumstances, trials are happening around you, but think of other people. Think of other people. And the way you're able to do that is by knowing that the Lord is with you. Now, I hope you're following me right now. I hope you haven't lost me because Paul's leading us someplace in the text. He's taking us to a place and and I'm about to be all up in your kitchen. I'm coming to your neighborhood because I know the question is, okay, pastor, you told me at the beginning, we're going to talk about control. 
We haven't talked about control yet. Are we getting to this? We got to talk about control, right? What is my reasonableness? What does me rejoicing have to do with this control issue in my life? What does it have to do? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. If one pays attention to the verbiage and the language that Paul uses in this text, if you pay attention to Paul's language, you always have to pay attention to the way Paul's writing. But if you pay attention to what he's saying in here, he says rejoice always in who? He doesn't say in you. He doesn't say rejoice in someone else. He doesn't say rejoice in your circumstances. He says rejoice always in the Lord. He keeps going and says, let your reasonableness be known because who is at hand? He doesn't say you're at hand or people are watching you. No, no. He says, because the Lord is at hand. Now, why is that important? Follow me, family. The reason this is important is because before Paul says, do not be anxious about anything in the text, before he gets to that place, don't miss this. He has to make sure that our minds and our hearts are stayed on Jesus. Somebody just missed that. See, see, here's the point. At the root of our anxiety, at the root of our worry, at the root of our manipulation or our fear, is most of the time, if not all the time, a control issue. That's where that stems from. We get anxious when we feel out of control. We get fearful over things that we cannot control. We worry when things are out of our control. And Paul is trying to to make this plain before he says, don't get anxious about anything, that if you have the right mindset, then it will help you alleviate your anxiety and worry don't miss that Uh, let me put it this way usually every summer I I take my kids to some sort of theme park with roller coasters y'all I I used to love roller coasters growing up I I know some of y'all at home love them too I still love them to this day I love me a good roller coaster and and see the thing about roller coasters is that in order for a person to have fun On the roller coaster, you have to be able to trust the operator that you cannot see. He's somewhere behind the scenes. You have to be able to trust that operator and know that he knows exactly what he's doing. Follow me. Hear me. You got to be able to trust that the roller coaster car, that that, that thing can hold your weight. And you got to be able to trust that the metal that they made the roller coaster ride out of can hold the weight of you as well as the other passengers in that ride. I mean, you have to be able to trust that the velocity of the ride will carry you through the different turns and the different loops as you go on the roller coaster. Follow me. Because Cindy, see, many of us right now just hearing me go through that list, <laughs> you're like, Pastor D, that's why I don't ride roller coasters. <laughs> I got enough mess in my life. I don't need to get on a roller coaster to feel some type of thrill. But hear me. Everything I just listed off, everything there, if you've been following me, more, everything I listed off, everything that, even things that I didn't list, and even more, yeah, hear me, everything has been checked by different operators numerous times before the ride was even open to the public. Don't miss that. In fact, the rides are checked throughout the day, even when the public is walking around. They they have checked the velocity of the ride. They have checked the weight limit of the ride. They even checked the height limit, which is some people, if if you're too short, you can't actually get on the ride because you're not tall enough. 
Multiple engineers have worked on the ride and safety regulations have had to be passed in order for the ride to be safe for the public. Don't miss what I'm saying, family. Here's my point. Although the rider is not in control of the ride, one is able to enjoy the ride because there have been multiple different people that are trustworthy that have checked the ride for enjoyment. Uh, Paul here in the text. He's trying to relate to the reader of this text. Before I tell you, don't be anxious. Before I get to that place, that, 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 that don't, don't be anxious and everything. Before I even tell you that, in all your problems and everything that you go through, hear me. There is someone who has already gone before you, who has pre-planned and who has ordered the steps of your life. Someone who has died in your place. Someone who rose again and someone who loves you enough to stick with you through the thick And the thin, he will never leave you nor forsake you. And his name is Jesus. So as the text says, rejoice in the Lord always and let your reasonableness be known because the Lord is at hand. Family, what Paul is trying to tell us is that he is trustworthy. God is trustworthy. That's good news. That's good news today. See, Paul, he's saying to us, family, I know you're at home and you can't control what may be happening with COVID-19. You don't know what to think. You don't know what's going to happen. But hear me, you can rejoice because God does. He knows. He's saying to that mom or dad, I know you're having a hard time with e-learning right now. You may not be a teacher, but hear me, you serve and you believe in the one who is the greatest teacher of all time. And he'll bring you through. Someone saying, but I lost my job, Pastor. But hear me, you can rejoice because scripture tells us that my God can supply all our riches and needs in Christ Jesus. He, he did it for the nation of Israel. Hear me, when they're walking through the wilderness through 40 years, even with their bickering and their sin and their different actions against the Lord, he still supplied for them what they needed to make it through those 40 years. He still was with them, walking with them, guiding them by night and guiding them by day. Y'all hear me, Jesus, God, God can meet you right at the point of your need right now if he wants to. Paul says, rejoice always. Well, the Lord is at hand. In other words, Paul is saying, trust God. Because even though things might be out of your control right now, we that believe we serve a God who watched this, he never loses control. He's always in control. That's good news because if he's always in control, he can take care of us. Paul says, just trust him. Believe. Paul keeps going and after he says this, he goes to the third command in verse 6 and he says, Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Hear me. As we walk into this, it's impossible to be overcome with anxiety when you have surrendered total control to God. Let me say that again. It's impossible to be overcome with anxiety when you have surrendered 
total control to God. Jesus speaks about this in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, verse 25 through 34, where he stated the most common causes of anxiety. Y'all might remember this when we walked through the Sermon on the Mount last year. These causes, some of them are, he says, physical attributes in in verse 27. Then he goes to verse 28 and he says clothing. Then he says in verse 31, food and drink. Then verse 34, he says the future. That's where that causes anxiety. Hear me. These are all things in life that cause anxieties, especially if we lean into our own strength or our own understanding to get through them. And Jesus confronts this in that same passage in verse 33 and 34. Look at it with me. He says this while talking to his disciples. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. Jesus simply says, trust me, believe, seek after me. I got you. I got you. But, but I know someone may be saying, well, 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 I get that I'm supposed to seek after Jesus and he can take care of me. But, Pastor, what, what, what does that look like? What's that look like? Well, Paul in our text, he gives us the remedy to our anxiety. In other words, as I said at the beginning of our text, he gives us the remedy to our control issue. In the text, what does Paul say do? What's the remedy? He says to pray. Ooh. He says to pray. Hear me, family. Prayer is what cures anxiety. It's how we let go of control. God, I need you. See, see, friends, anxiety ceases when we're able to let go of control. And we're able to call out to an almighty God who is in control. See, our prayer cures anxiety. But see, therein lies the problem, if we're honest. Too many of us have what I like to call a Martha syndrome. (laughs) Some of y'all at home know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, what in the world is a Martha syndrome? Well, let me me help you out with it. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42, Jesus, he walks into town. And my girl Martha comes up to Jesus. She welcomes him, her, him into her house, and, and her sister Mary is there in the house with her. Mary, her sister, when Jesus walks in, she chooses to sit with Jesus at his feet. And Martha, she's in the kitchen, scurrying around, serving, cooking, cleaning, doing all this in the kitchen while she's chilling with Jesus sitting down. Now, Martha gets perturbed because her sister is sitting there and not helping her, and she looks to Jesus, and I want you to pay attention to what she says in the text, and then I want you to watch how Jesus responds to her. Look with me at Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. And Martha was distracted with much serving, it says, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. I could just picture her sweaty mess right now. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha. I love that he says her name twice. It's like, just pay attention. Martha, Martha, you're you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Family, pay attention to the words 
that Jesus uses as Martha is upset and anxious. He basically says, you see your sister right here? You see your sister? She has chosen the good portion. She has chosen, instead of being anxious, instead of trying to control her environment, she chose to sit at my feet and trust and believe in me. She's sitting here. Family, hear me. Too many of us have a Martha syndrome. I know I'm in somebody's kitchen. We're just scurrying about all throughout our houses and throughout our lives, and we never stop, and we're missing Jesus sitting right in front of us. It goes back to what I said last week. Let's be careful not to miss what Jesus is doing in our lives right now in this season. Let's be careful not to miss him. He's up to something. Let's be careful. And see, for many of us, here's the truth. When COVID hit us, <laughs> we didn't stop and pray. If we're honest, we just became preoccupied with something else. Oh, oh, I got to stay at home. E-learning. I'm going to put all my time there. Oh, go ahead. E-learning. Oh, man, I finally get to get around to that thing in the house that I know I've been needing to fix. That honeydew list that my wife gave me. I got I to get to it. You, or, or you're working harder at your house than you did when you went into the office every day. We don't stop and sit with Jesus. No, no, no. We just got preoccupied with something else. And see, instead of stopping like Mary and seeking Jesus, we, we have preoccupied ourselves with something else, something new. So, friends, friends, we've not only not stopped to pray, but we took it to the other extreme. We added something else. We've gone the complete opposite way. And here's the reality with this Martha syndrome. Y'all hear me? Let me. I'm sorry to bust your bubble, but it does not end with satisfaction. It does not end with fulfillment. But if you're scurrying around with, like Martha, it ends with more anxiety. More anxiety. Family, let me ask you. Where is it in your life? Be honest, where is it in your life that you need to just stop and pray? Where is it in your life that, that, that you need to just stop and, and sit at the feet of Jesus? Where is that place? What is it in your life? Now, now hear me. This doesn't mean, hear me with this, don't do anything and just sit where you are and just pray all day. Sometimes you need to do that, but, but hear me, that, that's not what I'm saying. But instead, when you begin to feel that anxiety, when that fear starts to creep in, when you start to feel overwhelmed, just, just make a practice of just stopping and calling out to God. Make that practice of just breathing and just stopping. And going to God in prayer. My mother used to make me do this before I even knew Jesus. When, when she saw me getting overwhelmed as a child, she would say, go lay down in your room. Lay down on your bed. Stretch your arms out. Just lay there. Now, that may sound weird to you, but growing up, I, I was pretty troubled. I was the you know, oldest of four kids, product of divorced parents. And I was mad all the time. I was upset. And my mother would tell me to do this all the time. She said, go lay down. And see, what I didn't know at the time is that 
medically, it's medically proven that if you have shortness of breath, if you're tight in the chest, hence if you have anxiety or high anxiety, when you lie down, whether that be on the bed or the floor, and you lie there stretched out as opposed to standing up or kneeling down or, or sitting down, it, it allows your lungs to get more air. It allows air to, to roll, run through your body. And what it does for you in that moment is that it calms you down. It calms you down. So now, now watch this. What this taught me to do is that now in my relationship with Jesus, when, when I get overwhelmed, when, when something starts bothering me, I just stop what I'm doing at that moment and I will lay prostrate on the floor, stretched out on the floor. Or I, if I can make it to my room, I'll lay down on my bed and I will sit there in that moment. I will close my eyes and I will go to God in prayer and say, God, I don't know what's going on. I feel overwhelmed about something. If I know what it is, I'll name it and I'll give it to God and say, God, take this from me. In that moment, I thank him for working in my life. And I also say, God, give me peace. Replace it with peace. And hear me. Here's the truth of the matter. When I do that, here's the key. I do not leave that place until I feel some sense of relief. And I, and I, I promise you, there has never been a time that I've not left that place feeling better. Family, this is what Paul is getting at in his text. He says, don't be anxious, but instead pray. Pray about everything coming to God with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, he says. Now, 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 let me tell you about why you can come to God with thanksgiving. You can come to him thanking him in the same prayer. You can do this because God has never not taken care of his people. He's always taking care of his people. If you take a cursory reading from the, uh, from the beginning of this Bible to the end, and even all the way up to now in our lives today, he has never left nor forsaken us, which means that he's still working today. He's still active in the world. He's still trustworthy. He's not left us, y'all, but instead he's still with us. That's good news. If Paul says pray with thanksgiving, knowing that he will give you peace, which hear me, doesn't mean that he will make whatever you're asking for happen. But instead, he says he will give you peace. Now, that's key to understand, because if we go to God with this misunderstanding of he's some kind of genie in the Bible, where if I come to him and I ask for what I want or what I need at that moment, he's going to give it to me right there at that moment. You're going to be highly disappointed. And most of the time, that's not the way God works. But it says that he gives you peace. Hear me, my grandma used to say this, and some of your grandmothers or mamas might have used to tell you this too, that, that, that God doesn't always give you what you want, but God always gives you what you need. He always gives you what you need. And family, whenever you're anxious, here's the truth about the matter. When you're anxious about something, hear me. In that moment, you don't really need the solution to Whatever you're anxious about. I don't know, because if you get that, you, you, you'll miss what God's trying to teach you. And in, a, in that moment, the first thing you need is peace. You need peace because, hear me, if you have peace, you'll be able to leave whatever you're asking for from God right there at his feet. And you can leave without fretting because you know who God is. Ooh, that's good. He'll give you peace. And hear me, Paul says in the text, this peace that comes from God is peace that surpasses all understanding and will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. 
And you ask, well, how do we know that that is true? Well, hear me. When you go to God in prayer, you got to understand that you're not just going to somebody else down the street or to somebody uh, in your house for prayer. You went to an all-encompassing God. You went to the creator of everything. He is the one that knows all, is in all, and created all things. You went to the creator of the universe, the one who hung the stars in the sky. And Psalm 147.4 tells us that he knows them all by name. You went to that God. And the text tells us, Paul says, when you pray to that God, that same God will give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. Because hear me, God is simply outside of our understanding. He is infinite and we are finite. And he says that peace, that peace will guard our minds and our hearts in Christ Jesus. Now, I know for someone that may not be enough. So, so let me remind you of who we're guarded in. That word guard says guarded in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, who, who is God in the flesh. He came. He lived the life that we were supposed to live. He died the death that we were supposed to die. And then he rises from the grave with power in his hands. Something else that we cannot fathom. But I don't want you to get caught up on the miracle of him just rising from the grave. Because here's the, here's the point. The fact that death couldn't hold Jesus down in that ground is good news. You know why? Because we're guarded in him. And if we're guarded in him and death couldn't hold him down that means that death can't rock us somebody's missing this that means that you don't have to worry about death you know why because Jesus already conquered it that's good news family amen somebody friends during this season especially with COVID-19 I need you to hear me Let's not get lost. Let's not get overwhelmed with what we cannot handle. Let's not start to give reason to our anxiety and our control. But instead, let's make a practice of submitting to God. Trusting him. Let's just learn to stop and pray. When work gets too hard, stop and pray. When e-learning starts to get too overwhelming, push that joint, push it away. Stop and pray. When being at home starts to get overwhelming, stop and pray. When you start to feel lonely sitting in your house, stop and pray. Friends, hear me. When that anxiety, when that worry, when that fear, manipulation, whatever it may be, that starts to rise up in you, stop. Stop. Surrender whatever it is to God. Here I am, God. I I, I can't even give voice to what it actually is, God, but I'm feeling this. God, I need you. Just breathe. I need you. Hear me, especially where we are right now. I'm going to lean in. I need you to hear me. Friends, it's okay to not have everything in your life under control.
it's okay to not have all your chips in order right now. It's okay to feel a little out of whack. Hear me? There's changes that happen every day with us right now, which means that you can't have everything under control. So instead of trying to get everything under control, y'all, let's make a practice of believing and totally surrendering to God, saying, here I am. There's someone that's listening right now, and that's exactly where you are. You're saying, Jesus, I need you. I believe in your death, burial, and your resurrection and what you did on my behalf. I'm tired of living this life the way I've been living it. I cannot do it on my own anymore. I'm tired. There's someone else that's listening, and you're saying, look, I know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I'm struggling right now in this season. And you, and you need to resurrender right now your life and say, Jesus, you, I, I, you're all I need. Here I am. Hear me, family. There are people online right now that are there. They're ready to pray with you. Don't leave this sermon today, this time with us today, this service today without getting what you need. God is listening and he's near. Wherever, whoever you are, won't you join me in trusting Jesus today? Because again, as I said last week, and I'll say again today, the struggle is real right now. But won't you believe with me? Because God is greater. The struggle is real. But God is greater. Amen, somebody. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you. We thank you for your goodness, God. We thank you that the truth of the scriptures let us know that you are greater that you're a good God that your strength is greater than ours that your strength is made perfect in the midst of our weakness that we don't have to control everything God because you are in ultimate control and you are God all by yourself God we thank you for being awesome And Father, we just ask right now that you'll meet us right at the point of our need. If it's belief, God, meet us there. Let us help our our hearts believe. If it's it's control, God, let let us surrender to you right now, knowing that you're a good God and you will take care of us. God, we know you haven't left. We know you're near and you're with us. So, Father, we give you our lives. We give you this day. We love you and we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said together, amen. Amen. 
Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9.30 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.